Welcome to The Mend, a podcast for survivors and victims of crime and those who serve them, sponsored through the Center for Crime Victim Services here in Vermont. I am Anna Nasset, and I am your host for this bi-monthly podcast and show. And today on the show, we have Vicki Garza here from the Center for Crime Victim Services to discuss their sexual assault program. This show was created to take a deeper look at services, organizations, and concepts for victims and survivors of crime. We want to acknowledge the healing process and also provide resources, not only in our state of Vermont, but throughout the country that could benefit victims of crime as they begin to mend. As your host, I myself am a victim and survivor of crime and my healing process and how I navigate the world is an ever going and evolving process. I have used countless amounts of service providers and programs throughout my time and it's such a joy to get to share some of the things that have worked for me and learn about things that can help others. Um, as always, I want to begin with a trigger warning. Our goal is to create a safe place to discuss topics of healing, but with that in mind, we may occasionally hear a story related to crime, discuss our mental health, or have other sensitive subject matter. We urge you to listen to at your own discretion and to care for yourself. Today, as I said, we have Vicki Garza here from the Center for Crime Victim Services, uh, the agency that sponsors this show, to discuss one of their programs and the work they are doing and how victims and providers can access assistance. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Anna. I'm very excited. Thank you. So um, I would love to start by getting to know a little bit more about you. Can you share a little bit about your history, how you found yourself in the victim service field, and how you found yourself in this role, and what your role is at the Center for Crime Victim sure. Services? Yeah, absolutely. So I am, um, I do the sexual assault program at the center, and the way I ended up coming about that is I'm actually a registered nurse. So I've been a nurse for a good 25 years, and I initially lived in Florida, you know, graduated from UVM, joined the Navy. Um, I was a nurse in the nurse corps, and then I started my family, um, got out of the Navy, did some civilian nursing, and like many folks that find themselves in victim services, I did have victimization in my life. And that's what ended up bringing me to Vermont where it sort of came to a head and eventually you know, got out of that situation. So I was still working as a nurse at that point and healing, raising my three girls. And eventually I started to think that I just felt like I needed to do something more or something related to helping victims. Mm -hmm. Even though you're already in the helping field as a nurse, it's just, you know, I felt like I needed to do something different. Um, so still practicing nursing, I happened upon the job description for the um, sexual assault coordinator for the victim's compensation program. And I thought this might be something that I'd be interested in. And it turns out um, I'm actually a really good fit just because I am a nurse. Mm -hmm. And you end up in this position, you end up working with the hospitals, um, the billing department, medical insurance, as well as the sexual assault nurse examiners. And so I have a really good rapport and understanding you know, already, I had a base of knowledge already. So mm -hmm. um, that really helped me to be able to work with all these different areas in the hospital. 
Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it's it, it's turned out to be um, really nice, I think. Yeah, I think that, I mean, pretty much everyone that sat here with me and we've, we all have that shared experience of, you know, we didn't come into this work easily. Yes. There is something that happened that led us to this work and by matching the skills we already have and the strengths we already have with our passion, it's really incredible what you're doing. And yeah, thank you. So glad you found that fit. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. Um, can you tell us about what this program is? What is the sexual assault program at the Center for Crime Victim Services? Sure. What services it provides? Who's eligible? How to access? Just a little overview and then we'll start to break it down okay, more. Okay, sure. So the sexual assault program is part of victims' compensation. So folks that are a victim of crime, they have certain resources available to them. Like if they were injured during the crime, maybe payment of a um, medical bill, um, lost wages, that sort of thing. So the sexual assault program can't pay for all of the same things that victim compensation can pay for, um, but it's much easier to get the resources. So really the only thing to be eligible is you have to be assaulted in the state of Vermont, and then you have to um, report for medical care and okay. you know just basically disclose that you were assaulted and at that point um, you'd be seen by a sexual assault nurse examiner and then the paperwork would start up and come to me and then I can make sure that the victim is not billed for any medical bills related to their care from that sexual assault. Awesome. Do they still have to, does a victim have to report to law enforcement? A victim does not have to report to law enforcement. Okay. So that's one of the main differences between regular victims' compensation and the sexual assault program is you, you may report to law enforcement, mm -hmm. and if you do, you actually would be eligible for other victims' compensation mm -hmm. resources. But if you choose not to, then um, you're still eligible for the sexual assault program and those medical bills from your visit and also follow-up visits um, if you have any follow-up visits related to the assault. Uh, we can also pay for a limited amount of counseling. We can pay for treatment of um, sexually transmitted infections, the medications, including the medications to help prevent HIV, which can be quite costly. Um, yeah, so all of that, it's all the medical related okay. bills to your assault that we can cover. And that really takes a big burden off of a victim. That's a huge burden. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how does the sexual assault, I mean, you've kind of told us how it, it works, but how does it work with the hospitals and healthcare to assist a victim of sexual assault? Like, how from, how are they informed? How is a victim informed mm -hmm. of the compensation program and, um, how does that how does that communication work? So the um, Center for Crime Victim Services actually funds the SANE program, which is housed at the Vermont ne Network. Yep. So um, they they're responsible for um, all of the SANE nurses training them and so forth all across the state in the different hospitals. So if a victim reports to a hospital, usually the emergency department, then and they specify that they are a victim of sexual assault, then a victim's advocate would be called mm -hmm. to be with them 
through the process, but also a sexual assault nurse examiner, which is also called a SANE. And the, the SANE is going to be the one that does the exam. Mm -hmm. So um, they, the victim really has the choice of how much they want to do with that visit. Mm -hmm. But the sexual assault nurse examiners are registered nurses who are, they have special training in forensic um, medical um, you know, a, a, just obtaining the evidence, obtaining right. the forensic medical evidence. So they um, offer the victim the opportunity to have a forensic exam, a sexual assault forensic exam, which can be used in the court of law. And even if they, even if the victim didn't choose to report to law enforcement at this time, that evidence will remain um, housed at the state lab for any future, in case they change their mind, basically. Right. So the sexual assault nurse examiner will let the victim know about our services. Okay. Is the victim automatically enrolled into them? It is, they are automatically enrolled into them. So the nurse will fill out a paperwork along with the victim. They okay. each have a portion that they do. And it's, it's a fairly limited amount of information because we do want sexual assault victims to have as much confidentiality as possible. So um, the paperwork that's filled out doesn't give specifics about the event or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's just very basic information, um, name and contact, if they do have health insurance, if they have any kind of safety concern. And then that gets forwarded to me and I would open up a claim. Mm -hmm. And um, once the claim is opened up, then I can start working on the victim's behalf by contacting the billing department of the hospital and the insurance company if need be. And, okay. And just sort of behind the scenes taking <clears throat> care of that bill so that the victim never even gets a bill and doesn't have to do anything. Awesome. It's taken care of for them. Awesome. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm looking through the questions real quick. Um, we kind of went over. I'm going to have a sane nurse on here later. Yeah, that's, um, that's good. For another show. Can you, I'm going to just throw a question out there. Um, for somebody who is going into the hospital for not a sexual assault, but like a domestic violence related, mm -hmm. um, would they go through a different portion of the center if they wanted to go after um, compensation? Or could you speak a little to that? So... Um, are you talking about if maybe it's domestic violence with sexual assault? Without sexual assault. Or without assault. sexual assault. So that would be, they would be um, eligible for the compensation program. Okay. And in that situation, they would need to report to law enforcement. Okay. Yeah. And we'll also be having somebody else on okay. for compensation. <laughs> so we've got lots of subjects, yes. unfortunately, it's, but we have amazing people coming on to talk that's about great. them. Yeah. Um, so my next question would be like, do you work with insurance providers? Uh, like, and how do you, how do you assist victims in navigating that process? Yeah. Or I guess you just kind of take over. The victim doesn't have to worry yeah, at all. Yeah, the victim doesn't really have to do anything as long as that, as long as that initial paperwork is filled out um, with all the essential information, then um, I may not even have to contact the victim at all. And I can just sort of leave them be and let them, you know, do their mm -hmm. healing. Um, sometimes there's information missing and I might have to contact the victim and I'll use that opportunity also to just make sure they understand um, the different resources that are available such as the counseling because yeah. they may not want it that day but they could contact me you know months or a year down the road and say okay I'd like to 
of my counseling. There's no expiration to the to their claim. So basically, um, yeah, once they once I get that paperwork, then I will call the billing department of the hospital and I will let them know um, whether they should bill the insurance or not. In Vermont, the statute does say that health insurance should be billed first and that we're the very last payer after health insurance. So that's good, but sometimes there's a situation maybe where the um, victim does have a safety concern or a confidentiality concern where they don't want their insurance billed. For a common scenario would be a college student mm -hmm. who is under their parents' insurance. And if their insurance gets billed, then the parents might get that explanation of benefits in the mail, which can show that their child, you know, went to the emergency department on this date and they, I think they even have like the medical codes on them. So you could even Google the code and see, Right. you know, so we don't want that to be an issue for victims. Um, many victims, it's fine. They tell their parents and it's, mm -hmm. it's not an issue, but there are a few here and there that it would be a problem for them if insurance is billed. Absolutely. So that's something that the sexual assault nurse examiner will assess during the visit. Mm -hmm. And if there is a situation, a concern, then they mark it on that paperwork. Okay. And um, if it's, if the person has our three largest, one of our three largest insurers, Blue Cross Blue Shield, MVP, or Cigna, then we have a memorandum of understanding with those insurance companies where they can um, create confidentiality and allow the victim to choose a different address for their paperwork to go to. That's great. Mm -hmm. And the nurse in the ER knows about this. So at the time of the visit, they will have the victim fill out that other piece of paperwork. And that way, I get both of those pieces of paperwork. Mm -hmm. And um, so that would be the time when I talk to the insurance company because I would want to verify that they had processed the paperwork and the address is now transferred to the safe address. Okay. Okay. And then once we find that out, then I can call the billing department and say, okay, it's all right for you to go ahead and submit the charges to insurance. So it'll go to insurance first, mm -hmm. and then if there's any remaining patient responsibility, then they'll send the bill directly to the center, and we pay for it. Awesome. If the insurance cannot be protected, so maybe they have an out-of-state insurance, mm -hmm. or it's you know not one of those, those major insurance companies, then we would just pay it as if they didn't have insurance. Okay. When there's a safety concern. Yep, When there's Absolutely. a safety concern. But um, the safety concerns luckily are pretty, it's a pretty small amount. So usually insurance is able to pick up most of the cost and then we can, you know, pick up whatever is remaining for that patient. That's great. And mm -hmm. how are you, how, how is the center funded? How is this program funded? So, the sexual assault is under victims' compensation, so it's all victims' compensation funds that um, come from state and federal government. Okay. We, we all work out of the same pot of money. Yep. Um, and just for our listeners, like how, it, I mean, I know a little bit about it, but like how yeah. are those funds allocated federally and statewide into that compensation? That might be a little bit out of my way. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, um, I know a little bit about it, yeah. but yeah. I, and I probably, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know specifics about okay. that. Um, 
But yeah. there's a certain amount allocated to each state. Like every state has compensation. Right. Every um, state has compensation. So every state has a program like this, yes. whether you're in Vermont or not. And each state has is allocated through the federal government and through state government. Right. So, so there's yeah. yeah. So there's grant money and. But the details of that—it gets really confusing. It does get very confusing. Yeah, and you know, maybe one day you can have um, one of our grants folks yes. on. Yes, that's a good because idea. Because they, you know, whatever. It's fascinating I, because I know sometimes it's like you know, if there's a huge federal lawsuit, like that settlement yeah. might go into compensation. Yeah. I feel like there was something with like. I don't remember. It was like some car company settlement that it all went oh, into. Oh, maybe like, it was the VW. Yes, yeah. it was Volkswagen, and yeah. like this huge settlement, I think went into. Yeah. Compensation into compensation that across is true. the country, and I yeah. was like, "Well, that's a good way to yeah. have that go." Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but it is interesting, and um, but yeah, it is a thing where this isn't just specific to Vermont. If you're listening, like that's this right. is every state has this, so. and, and also other countries have it as well. Yeah. So, if if you're traveling in another country and you're a victim of crime or you're a victim of assault, then they may have you know resources for you. Um, usually, if you're in another country, they do require you to report to law enforcement. So that's sort of one of the downsides mm -hmm. about it. Um, if you're, you know, if you're just not at the place where you'd like to do that, um, and some folks are assaulted in another country or another state, and then they come to Vermont to have their exam, and so when that happens they're technically not eligible for our compensation program. Mm -hmm. they, they would be eligible for the state where the assault occurred. Yep. Um, but I would still get the same paperwork. The SANES and I have sort of worked out a system where they still do the Vermont paperwork. And then what I'll do is I'll work with the state where the assault occurred and try to work on making sure that that bill is getting paid. Okay. Yeah. That's so great. we don't just, you know, drop the person and not, you know, and leave them hanging because yeah. all the states also have different eligibility requirements. Yes. So as I know very well. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a subject yeah. for a different episode, but yeah, no, it can be, I've had to work with different states and ultimately mm -hmm. didn't qualify. And this right. isn't from sexual assault, but this is still victim of crime yeah. and ultimately didn't qualify for, um, to have my wages reimbursed mm -hmm. because I own my own business, so you couldn't prove loss of employment right. when you own your own business. Oh, yeah. um, and this is in a different state, but yes, yeah, so I understand very well like the, the different states and if you live here, but the crime happened here yeah. and this and that. And, and so that could be a tough thing for a victim of sexual assault because, you know, if somebody is maybe traveling and, and it happens, it happens, let's say, in New Hampshire. They, they may just want to come home, yeah. you know, and get their care here. And, and so we want to do the best we can to help facilitating making sure that that bill still gets paid. Yeah, and what I think is so great about this program versus the other compensation where you really have to do mm -hmm. a lot of legwork, the victim does. Yeah. Um, like, there isn't. Like, you walk in and you, everything's handled for right. you. And the, that's really, yeah. like, such a burden taken off of right. Just one thing you don't have to think about, yeah. like you're going to be served. Yeah, yeah, because that initial paper that they fill out in the emergency department, it has a little section that's a consent that allows me to talk to the insurance company and mm -hmm. to talk to the billing department and to talk to the SANE because sometimes I need, you know, some kind of information from the SANE, like just to clarify safety concern or something like that. 
It doesn't allow me to see medical records. Mm -hmm. um, medical records don't get sent like they might with victims' compensation. So it is as confidential as it can be, mm -hmm. um, still allowing me to be able to work on behalf of the victim, you know, by working with the billing and, and insurance and so forth. So that's nice. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, so I've got Vicki Garza here today from the Center for Crime Victim Services talking about their sexual assault program. Um, I know you've shared a lot about with, about the program with us, but can you share with us what rights victims of se sexual assault have as they navigate this path mm -hmm. um, towards compensation, towards healing, whether to report or not? Um, you've talked a lot about confidentiality, but maybe it's a little bit more about like the victim's rights within all of this. Mm -hmm. Sure. So first and foremost, the, the federal government uh, requires that victims of sexual assault um, have, are allowed to have a forensic exam and also toxicology um, because sometimes assaults might have been facilitated by um, drugs or whatnot mm -hmm. at no cost to them. So Vermont goes above and beyond that, so we'll provide those things, but then we'll also provide the other things like the follow-up care of injuries or if you need follow-up lab work, the medications, and the mental health visits. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of nice. I feel like we're sort of progressive in that way, that we're able to provide more things. Absolutely. There's some states that only provide that, you know, bare minimum. Mm -hmm. So they have the right to that, and there is a, there's a sexual assault um, survivor's Bill of Rights, and that's something that the victim should be informed of when they um, show up, you know, for care. Mm -hmm. um, the advocates can provide that with them. I think the SANE nurses, they give them a pretty good packet of information, and I'm pretty sure that, it's, that that's in there. Um, but uh, like I said, with the medical forensic exam, they have the right to have that um, stored and we store those indefinitely at the state lab at no cost to them. Um, also tested and notified if there's a DNA match. Mm -hmm. So the person may not um, have chosen to report to law enforcement, but if they find out that there's a match and that the perpetrator is already in the system for potentially another assault, then mm -hmm. sometimes, sometimes the victim might choose to um, report at that time. Mm -hmm. um, basically, we want to make sure that victims understand that um, it's up to them about how much or how little they want to do as far as their treatment, as far as talking mm -hmm. to law enforcement. They may do an initial report and then choose, choose not to, um, you know, continue to talk to law enforcement mm -hmm. and work with them on it. And that's okay. They have that, they have that choice. So the confidentiality part is pretty important as well. We did talk about that. Um, I know you're gonna to talk to a SANE nurse and they can talk a little bit more about how they um, sort of make it a little bit more confidential in the medical record, because mm -hmm. I do think they have a means for that, but I'm not, I don't know exactly the details of it. But um, other than that, on, on our end, you know, like I said, um, we don't want. We don't need to know the details. If somebody chooses to share the details when I'm talking to them on the phone, that's fine. But mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't go in um, the, my records or anything like that. It's just 
They might just need to You're process. Just, and they might just exactly talk to you. And yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's that's really important. That's great. Yeah, I just I mean it's it's obviously very the the victim is at the the very center. The of victim this. is at the center, and, and they get to choose. And and you'll hear that when you talk to um, the sexual assault nurse examiners that it's like that all through the process of them working with the victim, mm -hmm. which is so important. I mean, it's a, it's a a time when you have no other control or mm -hmm. no other voice like you've just been violated so to have even the slightest bit of control mm -hmm. or voice through that process I think is a very foundational step to beginning to start to heal and to process it really it's just is to be like okay I get to make a choice here mm -hmm. so we don't even require that a forensic exam take place in order for the person to be eligible okay so some states do require that because it's actually the only thing they pay for right and because the federal government is saying this is the thing the forensic exam and the collection of evidence is the part that um, is required then some states use that as their basis okay if you're if you're choosing to have the forensic exam then we can pay and you're eligible but we don't we don't hold victims to that at all. We want them to um, still be able to get their follow up care and still be able mm -hmm. to have their counseling and you know what, whatever other uh, treatment of injuries are necessary without any cost to them. So they just they can also do any part of the exam they want and stop at any time. Yep. I don't know if you've watched the. Um, the special on it's on Netflix. It's called Unbelievable. Not yet. Okay, so <laughs> not there yet. <laughs> yeah, so it's de definitely yeah. a trigger warning with that. Yes, and I will say definitely the first couple episodes are tough. That's so, what I heard. Yeah, um, and I think there's like a total of eight episodes. I found that to be a really good, a really good series. Yeah, I've heard it's hugely informative. Mm -hmm. It's educational. Mm -hmm. um, Coming, just coming out of trial myself two months ago, I'm like, well, yeah. not, we're still on Gilmore yeah. Girls. Yeah. We'll get there. But, <laughs> um, but no. I've heard nothing but, I mean, anybody who's in the service field, I've just heard nothing yeah. but, like, they're like, this is such a great show yeah. to really educate anybody, and um, but that it can be a little bit tough to Yeah, watch it's a little well. bit tough, but it has, it has a pretty good example. It has good examples of how things go wrong and also how, it could go right. Yep. How it how it should be, and how maybe socioeconomic class plays a part in that. Yep. Absolutely. You know? um, but the acting is very good. I found it to be, a, and it and it ends up having a, a good ending. Yes. So even if it's rough at the beginning. It's yeah. Working. And I mean, I know it's based off a true story, <laughs> yeah. so I know the story. story yeah. I, mean, I know how it's going to end. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I mean, that's why I offer a trigger warning at the beginning exactly. of the show, is you just. You never know where people are at and what they can, you know, see or hear on any given mm -hmm. day. And, mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah. I'll get there soon. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll stick with Gilmore Girls for now. My go-to. Um, so, Vicki, your passion for this work is so evident. And, like, how do you envision a future where we continue to be victim-focused, mm -hmm. as victim-focused as this program is, um, and services, and building a culture with less violence? I mean, it's yeah. a pretty loaded question. That is, that's a, t <laughs> that's a tough one. Tell me your dreams. That's a lot, that's a lot. That's a lot. Paint me a dream. <laughs> you know, I think um, that those of us that are in victim services, continuing to educate ourselves, like just never stop learning. And folks that come behind us, you know, be a mentor. Mm -hmm. and. And, you know, always 
always be a teacher as well. Always be a teacher to those folks. But remembering that the victim is the center of it all. So we want to be victim-centered. We want to be trauma-informed. And the best way to know what we should be doing for victims is to include victims and ask them what it is they need and what is it that they want. Yeah. And so um, I think that's super important and we all could do better at those things. We could do better at the services, even in the sexual assault program. Um, you know, we've hit little kinks here and there and you know, I've been lucky to be have a great group of people at the network and the sexual assault nurses and even different billing departments at the hospitals to problem solve some of these things so that we don't end up with a snafu and causing extra stress on a victim that right. when that doesn't need to happen. Um, what was the, one of the other things I was thinking of was um, as far as just the overall culture, that's a tough one. I mean, I you know, we just have to keep t talking about the really tough subjects and bringing it to the forefront and mm -hmm. educating the community as much as we can. Um, and, you know, it's it's gotten out there a little bit more, you yeah. know, recently, but we just have to keep doing that, just keep doing that. And, you know, maybe one day there will be an ideal situation, but, you know. Yeah, not in our lifetime. Not in our lifetime. <laughs> but I think if we keep doing this work and keep focusing on, you know, training people, yeah. that, like you said, mentoring, but then also focusing on our community and prevention right. and awareness, like those. Yeah, you know. doing a lot of outreach. Like this this um, podcast, this is great because, you know, it, it reaches out to the general public. And I think we try to do that too. We've had, you know, some victims forums mm -hmm. um, that we've hosted. And, you know, even with my um, teaching that I do with the sexual assault nurse examiners, they learn new stuff, and I know they're sharing it with other people yep. that don't, you know, so all of that is really good, and yeah. we just need to keep on keep on working on that. Yeah, and community members who aren't in this field, who are, you know, listening to the show or watching, it's like, yeah, even just learning from this, yes. learning from, you know, what you're sharing with us, they can maybe help somebody else or have awareness. And, exactly. And assist in other areas within their own community. Sure, so. because when I took this position, I did not know about a lot of this. I yeah. did not access um, victim services. Um, and so I didn't really know about victims. I've learned so much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, you and I met through, we took a course together. And yeah. um, we were both saying before we started this interview how much we learned that might not pertain to the Mm -hmm. actual nitty-gritty work that we do, but how much has just been invaluable yeah. to learn about so many different aspects mm -hmm. of serving victims and within, yeah, our state, our town, mm -hmm. our nation, our world, and just all the different ways that we can have our our eyes open. Yeah, and I've tried, you know, I've tried in any way that I can think of to sort of get the word out there. I have um, a couple of college-age daughters and then one in high school, and my daughter that goes to UVM, I asked her what sort of um, teaching that she got. Like, you know, when you first move into the dorm, mm -hmm. she said that they had like sexual assault instruction and that sort of thing. And so I was kind of curious, like, what, who came to talk to you? What do you know? And um, she didn't really know okay. um, that 
you know, if she was assaulted or one of her friends was assaulted, that they could go to the emergency room and it could be confidential. Your parents don't have to know about it, mm -hmm. um, that sort of thing. So I explained to her exactly like how the process works and I told her to share it with her friends and so forth. Yeah. And she's actually come back to me and asked me like some more specific questions about it and how it would work. Yeah, so just anything like that that's great. to get it out there. Yeah, and then she can share that as well, exactly. which is wonderful. Yeah, that's great. Well, yeah. thank you so much for being here oh, today. Absolutely. Um, you've given us a wealth of information. <laughs> and is, are there any main points that you feel like we left out today or anything else that you feel like you'd like to cover Let's or see. mention? Uh, well, I did. C I wanted to make sure I covered like the out-of-state assaults, which I think we got that. Um, also, just you know, just for victims to know that if you if you are a victim of sexual assault and you do receive a bill related to the assault, then to contact the center. Um, it is possible that something slides by. You know, mm -hmm. maybe somebody. Um, I might get the bill from that initial visit, but if they go to a follow-up visit at another facility, for example, I won't know that necessarily. Right. And so. Um, if, if uh, the victim doesn't tell that facility, oh, victim services is paying for this, then they won't know either. So that's okay if you forget or, you know, um, if a bill comes to you and it's related to your sexual assault care, then give us a call and we can, you know, backtrack and try to figure it out. Oh, that's great information. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Um, and that's the same in any state. So, mm -hmm. yeah, good. Well, Vicki Garza, thank you so much for being here mm -hmm. today. Um, the work you are doing is not easy work, mm -mm. and I know I'm so grateful for you and all that you are doing in this state and helping all these, you know, people that we won't ever know their names. I mean, it's exactly. very just like, and that's that's the work you do is to make sure that we don't know their names mm -hmm. and that they are served, and that's really amazing. Um, if anybody listening would like to learn more about the sexual assault program um, or other work at the Center for Crime Victim Services, please take a look at their website, cccvs.vermont.gov. Um, I always like to close with a positive message. Is there one parting thought you could share with listeners? Um, yeah, just something mm -hmm. encouraging to, to share with people either serving victims of crime or, or potential victims and survivors who are listening. Yeah, sure. So I have, I have something that I just use for, for myself and Okay, so I'm a big fan of Fred Rogers from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Awesome. Okay. I just think he's an awesome guy. He is, And yes. a few years back, I heard in an interview that he was doing, um, he was explaining that his mother always told him whenever he saw something scary or, or violent or just something bad on, on TV or something that was happening in the world, that she told him, look for the helpers that there are always helpers. And so I just want sexual assault victims to know, look for the helpers, police officers, nurses, victims advocates, they are out there and, and they wanna help you. I love that. Thank mm -hmm. you for being one of the helpers. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Well, that does it for this week, my friends. Um, thank you again, Vicki, for joining us and You're educating welcome. us. Um, if you have any ideas or questions about this show, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at Anna at StandUpResources.com. I'm your host, Anna Nassett, and I look forward to sharing with you more here on The Mend. Thank you so much. Goodbye.